Welcome to Invest in Women, the podcast series, your insight into the growing wealth of women and the issues that impact their business and yours. See what happens when you educate, empower, and invest in women. Katie Brown joining us today. Katie, thank you so much for your time. I'm excited for this conversation. Thank you, Melissa. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, I know that when we talk on the show, we always talk about finances from an individual standpoint, right? So when people think about money, they think, you know, my money, my retirement accounts, my, you know, assets, all these things where most people are within a couple dynamic or in a family dynamic. So I thought that we would start off with the fact that how that people really should be thinking about this from a couple standpoint and not just an individual one, correct? Yes, I love that. And that is something that we feel very strongly about in our firm, really kind of working with couples in the family unit, recognizing that, as you said, it's not just for the individual. It's how do you support your loved ones? And oftentimes that starts with two individuals in the family, um, you know, being the couple. And And I think that it's important to always bear that in mind because what might be a good solution for an individual is not necessarily the best solution or strategy for the couple and and to think through that process and to bring both into the conversation. Do you have to play almost psychologist as well as, you know, a financial professional? Because in my mind, as you were talking about that, you know, couples... And and we know this, like usually couples who have a hard time, it's because of money, right? If couples are not successful, it's usually because of money issues. Now, I fortunately came from a family where my parents talked to each other about money. They both were just as involved as the other. They didn't really talk to us about money, though, unfortunately. Like, I think that the one fault they had is they didn't teach us very well. However, but a lot of couples sometimes, and you tell me, do they either not want to talk about it with each other or is it one dominates the other when it comes to that? All of the above. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and you're exactly right. Every single person has their own unique money mindset. And often, as with many things in our lives, those are formed in our youth. So it, they are formed by, you know, what what money was like when we grew up for for individuals did they you know was money tight was it a challenge did your parents fight about it did they talk about it did they not talk about it and all of that kind of informs how we think about money and and how and how we act you know and mm-hmm. and and even communicate with our own spouses because we've we've learned behaviors um, previously or we've said that was the case when i was growing up i'm going to be totally different and so it is it is really important to try to understand both perspectives coming to the table. I know one exercise that that we do with our clients kind of at the, the forefront of any type of financial planning engagement is we go through an exercise called fiscaloscopy. It's actually through um, Return on Life. Steve Sandusky and, um, has this, this great Return on Life program. And the fiscaloscopy is looking at eight different money mindsets. And so we might ask a client, how do you think about debt on a scale of one to 10? Like, do you want to leverage everything or do you not like any debt at all? And then how comfortable are you? And going through like all these different questions. So whether it's debt or supporting children or saving, spending, charitable giving, all of those different things. And to get the individual perspective from 
you know, one spouse versus the other spouse and kind of overlay that, it, it, it really opens up a lot of conversations and, and helps everyone to understand their, their unique money mindsets. Well, and I think that's important because yeah. people who you're not attracted to somebody just like you. Right. Most people mm-hmm. are attracted to, you know, opposites attract. There's a reason they say that. And in usually in a great couple, bringing those two types of personalities together can create a great, you know, solution, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a problem solving dynamic duo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, for the couples who are a little, I don't know, resentful of the differences, that can mm-hmm. be something that, that can show up when it comes to money. Cause I know in, in, in my life, when I have been in long term relationships, uh, money has been something we have addressed, but the way that we've, we've, you know, in some differences, we just were mutually exclusive when it came, you know, we mm-hmm. divided out the bills, we divided out these things where I'm not sure if that was the right thing. Um, I think it was just, again, avoiding the conversation more so than anything. Yeah. And I think for the most part, the right thing is what you guys can agree on. And and, and making sure that there's clarity and visibility on, on both sides. So it may make sense to keep some separate finances and to pay things independently, but where can you find that that common ground and those check-ins? I think that's another thing that is so important to have those consistent check-ins within the relationship. Say, okay, where are we at? Where are we headed? What are the big goals? How are we getting there? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be all the time. You know, we often, it, today's Valentine's Day, we're recording. Yes, something. we're recording on Valentine's Day. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And so it's something, a love day. It's a romance day. Yes. Something we encourage our clients to do is have a financial date night, like get mm-hmm. a bottle of wine, make yourselves a nice dinner and, you know, go through the questions that you each have independently because, and, and, and oftentimes something that we see too is the, the big financial picture is in one spouse's head, but the other spouse feels like they're in the dark. And sometimes Sometimes the one that knows everything that's happening, they think that they're doing a favor. They think that they're like, I've got this. You don't need to worry about it. It's under control where the other one might feel like they are in the dark and they might, and, and they are more concerned. You know, they have insecurities about their, their financial well-being, and, and they want to be a great, they want to be in that conversation to a greater degree. So yeah, building those financial date nights and have the conversation. You know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about how much our parents and family influence our take on money more so that because we don't really get educated on it in the classroom and as much as we should, I think. Um, And so, you know, again, when when I think about my parents, they were married for 51 years before my father Mm -hmm. passed and my father passed of an illness. So he had time. He knew that the the inevitable was coming. Right. Mm -hmm. And so most of that time, which was six to eight months was my parents going through all of the financials, going through all mm-hmm. the folders, going through, you know, just so that she was on the same page as that, you know, because again, she was involved, but she may not have known about some of the accounts he had as an individual, right? right. And I just remember that, you know, I, I'm watching them do that and admiring that and then realizing they they came from families that encouraged that. But if you're somebody that doesn't, especially a woman, and I don't want to generalize, but I, I find that in my own world, a lot of the women I know are the ones that take the back seat to the financials of the house. And so I, I, I don't know. I just think that how how can you make up for the fact or the lack of education from your own family, especially as a woman, to get involved in your couple financial planning? Yeah. You know, I, I think it starts with just asking questions. And there is there's no question that's too small 
to ask. Um, I think it's really important to kind of first start with a balance sheet. Make sure that you know within the family, you know, what are the things that we own? What are the things that we owe? And where's that that money coming in and out from? So, you know, start with with the balance sheet to really kind of understand the assets and, and the liabilities and then kind of switch over to the cash flow. Okay, what's coming in? What's going out? Um, but it's okay to ask those questions. And, and, and even to ask that question, heaven forbid something happened, like what would I do? Who would I call? Where would I go? What's in place? Um, you had a really good podcast with Michelle Cooper not too long ago. And I think she talked about estate planning and the importance yeah. of that. Um, and, and that's all part of you know the holistic planning and making sure that you are asking those questions. Uh, it, it's probably not too much of a surprise, but in my family, I run most of the finances. And so <laughs> I make sure at least twice a year, my husband and I sit down and we say, okay, here's everything. Here's the, here are the money flows. And by the way, if something happens, go to this file and call that person. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so just to keep everybody on the same page, it doesn't, it can be overwhelming, but I think it can also be simplified to just a couple of those few things first. Well, and I think it goes back to what you said about check-ins, right? So it's okay if you're not somebody that's going to be involved every single day and you want to let the other spouse be in charge of the finances. But like you said, have check-ins, have conversations, communicate about those things. Now, let's just assume that you're a couple. You you figured all this out. You're running like a fine oiled machine um, and you have money that um, you it's kind of like extra money that you want to do something with. And for a lot of couples I know, and for myself, I think that the a time of giving, you talk about love today, you know, we're taping on a love day. So loving yeah. others and doing service for others. So let's talk a little bit about philanthropy, because I know that's something else that um, you specialize in and helping couples and what how they're going to do that. Yes. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. So um, in addition to being a, a certified financial planner, I am also a, a chartered advisor in philanthropy. And and those are fun conversations. Uh, I usually like to kind of start from, from the perspective of, like you said, we might things might be running well in the plan. I like the conversation around enough. You know, how much is enough for you and your spouse to live comfortably and happily and, and do all the things that you want to do throughout your retirement? How much is it enough for you to leave to your heirs to feel as if, you know, they you are providing the level of support that that you would like to provide for the next generation and so on and so forth. Um, and then expanding that further into, okay, what are your passions and, and how do we support those passions? Like what, um, what are your like family principles that, that you really want to, to live by? And then to kind of explore that a little bit and even, even ask the question, you know, what's the impact that you want to make on society and do you feel a responsibility to do that? Because in some families, they feel that you know societal responsibility to 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 be supportive. Um, but I think it opens the door to a lot of interesting conversations. But but starting from that, okay, that passion perspective, and then going into all right, how do you want to make that impact? Because there are a lot of different ways that you can support, you know, nonprofit. Um, either specific agencies or specific causes, uh, whatever the case may be, you know, you, you may want to support, for instance, a specific program, or maybe you want to invest for capacity. And you say, all right, this, this 
organization is doing tremendous work, but they need to be able to expand and do greater work beyond. So you, you're really kind of doing that support for capacity, which then leads to their mm-hmm. mission and their programming. So there's just so many different ways where you might want to invest for impact. Um, I could I could talk forever about this. So oh, I'm going to pause. It, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, when I uh, give, one of the things I love to do, and this is an idea for some people is when I do gift shopping, I look for the auctions at charity events. So those silent auction tables, like if you go to charity events or even some do it online, like for me, that's, that's where I shop. And that way I don't feel bad. If I, if I overspend then I'm, I'm, you know, supporting somebody. Um, but, and I also know friends who, you know, one of my friends who runs a charity where she encourages women to really work to try to be more financially independent for the purpose of being philanthropic, you know, because I think for a lot of women, there's a motion that they need tied to finance. And for some, I know they just find finance boring because it's not it doesn't touch them in their heart strings. Right. But if you uh, you know, if you're somebody that I want to be more philanthropic, so thus I need to learn more about money so that I can have more money so that I can be philanthropic. That's a motivator for a lot of women. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. You know, it's really interesting too. I, I think I think that advisors, not enough advisors have the conversation with clients about philanthropy. And a lot of times I, I think they come in from a different perspective. I think sometimes advisors assume that clients feel as if they don't have enough for themselves or they feel as if they don't have enough for their children or they feel as if they're not wealthy enough. Whereas philanthropy, you can do that at, at any level of wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. And and there are so many different ways to give, and there's so many different types of assets and resources that that you can give to, um, and and so I think once again opening that conversation, and and I love what you said about buying silent auction items to give away as gifts. That's yes, how I gave all of my teacher gifts and everything this past year. Really, same thing. Well, I mean, and, and, and it was it was not something that I planned out. It was just there was a it it became kind of organically a system where I was you know friends and I were going to these events because they were something to do that was different, and then we started doing that, and I was like, oh, this is this is what I'm doing from now on because again. It, like you said, you don't have to be super rich to be able to do that, right? Because not all the silent auction items are going to be that expensive. But again, it is a source of, you know, philanthropy. And I think that once you start a habit, you know, then it grows, right? So if you are someone who wants to be philanthropic, there are small ways to start and then it can grow into something bigger, whether it be, like you said, for a charity or for your own family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know this intuitively, but to to live it and to feel it, the the fact that giving is so much more rewarding than receiving, mm-hmm. and 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 like you said, you you start kind of sometimes smaller, and then it becomes a habit, and then it becomes something that that you really truly look forward to, and you look forward to the opportunity to to make a difference somewhere, right? And and I think, you know, that all leads to to happiness and being purposeful with your resources. I, I think that's something else that. Um, we really feel strongly about within our firm is to be good stewards of wealth and and to be intentional with what you do, how you plan, how you plan for the next generation, and how you plan philanthropically and and otherwise. 
Well, I think, you know, and this is not to encroach upon anybody's religion, but I know that certain religions, you know, uh, encourage you to set aside money for usually for the religion. But I think there's a lot of people that in their minds, they have like a, let's say, 10 percent. You know, I got a 10 percent needs to go somewhere. And so um, that's another habit um, that I think for some that they automatically when they receive money, they automatically put that 10 percent aside. And so this is, you know, and I don't know if that's what your clients, how they do it. But, you know, I think that that's something that for a lot of people that's ingrained in them. So it should be an easy thing to turn into action. Yes. Yes. We, we absolutely have some families that they consistently give their, their tithe and that's, mm-hmm. yes, that is, right. it's part of the, it's just part of the plan and it, and it's understood and they may give in addition to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something I'd mentioned different, different ways of giving something I love that a couple of our families do is, is they call it their walking around money where they may be giving to someone, something, they're not receiving a tax deduction. They're not receiving recognition. It doesn't have anything to do with that. They just want to be supportive in the moment. So they're they're helping a neighbor. They're helping a neighbor or they're helping a, a cause that maybe isn't registered as a nonprofit, but it's something that they feel passionate about. And it can mm-hmm. be in addition to the tithing and, and or in addition to something else. And, and something that we often encourage within our clients as well is to to create that philanthropic strategy. So if you want, you know, a pool of kind of your walking around money or your everyday giving, fantastic. You might have organizations where they are you support them annually and you love supporting them annually. But then you might have organizations where you really want to make an impact and and you want to make a significant gift and work toward a significant gift. It may not be an every year thing. Maybe it's an every five year or whatever the case may be. But to kind of think in terms of how do you support the the spectrum of causes that are important to you and, and build that into the plan? Well, and again, it starts small to another idea that, you know, because this is one of those things I think a lot of people could talk about this all the time because I feel giving to others is fun, you know, and I think I think the, you know, my personal opinion is I think the universe does that on purpose to keep you encourage you to continue to do that. Right. But um, I have a friend who who gets gift bags and fills them with snacks and then adds a twenty dollar bill and has them in her car. So that if on a corner someone is asking for help, she just rolls down the window and gives them one of these bags. And so, and that's something where you realize there's no tax deduction, there's no recognition. It's just a little something that she does that makes her feel good. So again, it's finance is personal and finance is personal for your the couple. You know, if you're a part of a couple, then, you know, couples finances, something that is important, but also understanding that if you have this, gift or this this excitement for giving to a charity or an individual or starting your own charity or whatever it is then that's something that can be personalized to you as well so katie you know we've run out of time but how can people find out more about what you do and if they want to get in touch with you sure thank you um so i'm founder and principal of co-founder and principal of morton brown family wealth and you can reach out to us via our website at mortonbrownfw.com um, we're also on facebook linkedin um i yeah i would encourage anybody to reach out and i've really enjoyed this conversation melissa thank you so much i've i've jotted down some notes for my own takeaways here so i'm thrilled awesome well katie thank you so much this has been so much fun 
Thank you for listening to Invest in Women, the podcast series. Your insight into the growing wealth of women and how to attract and retain your female clients and help scale your practice. Learn more by subscribing to this podcast or visiting fa-mag.com.